welcome to Folk Roots Radio. I'm Jan Hall. All the best in Folk Roots Americana, singer-songwriters and blues, and artist interviews. On Folk Roots Radio, as we say every week, we're all about the music and the people that make it. Now coming up, we're pleased to bring you another very special episode. We're going to be joined by Piper Hayes and Carson Rootsy Thorpe, who make music as Piper and Carson, to chat about their first true album as a duo, Edgewalker's Remedy, a collection of songs that are designed to get people to reflect on the way we live our lives and encourage them to reclaim their power and joy. So settle down and enjoy Piper and Carson in conversation on Folk Roots Radio.
That's Piper Hayes and Carson Ritzy Thorpe as Piper and Carson with Next Best Thing from their new album, Edgewalker's Remedy. It's actually their first official release as a duo, although Piper Hayes' first full-length album was also very much a duo project and entitled Piper and Carson. Edgewalker's Remedy is a collection of songs that are designed to provoke reflection about our lives and our place in the world. And Piper and Carson describe their life's work as deeply rooted in intention, with a strong commitment to use their platform to promote social change and mental health awareness. To learn more about the new album, we're pleased to welcome Piper and Carson back to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you guys join us today. We love joining yeah. you, Dan. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I love this new album. I love the fact that you are provoking us to think about what our place in the world is. I think that's hugely important. Your songs are really strong, and I don't know if that's come because you're now very much this duo, Piper and Carson. I know, Piper, you know, you had, I think, had, what, two or three EPs plus the full-length mm-hmm. album before you officially unveiled the duo. But obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning, you've been a duo for quite a few years, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We definitely, you know, we set a lot of intentions for this this piece, and and it... It came together over a few years, but we kind of did a bulk of the writing like the week before we recorded. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really sort of, we just wanted to, we wanted to showcase a lot of our, all the stuff that we, you know, want to aspire to doing and, and our writing together too. So this album's definitely, it's got a really nice weight of both of our voices. And we had all these songs that were just sitting around and we really, you know, had to kind of finish them. So we launched into a quick workshop thing and got them all together. Yeah, There's a lot more of Carson's voice, not only his physical voice being present, but his writing style and his artistry. We feel really proud of this work because we feel that it does show a little bit more of a breadth of what our musical quality can be and is. And it's not necessarily strictly in the folk category. Because we have so many influences as musicians mm. and artists in our lives. And, and so we felt really grateful that these songs emerged and, and that they emerged with the, the lyrical and melodic content that reflects the times that we're in, which um, we're in crisis times, you know, globally. And, and many people have been in these times for a while. And those of us with more privilege are, are maybe just waking up to it. We have to figure out how to be better with one another and how to really work to eradicate these systems of violence and harm and work to perpetuate human rights and indigenous sovereignty. And Mm -hmm. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I know for me, I was struggling a little bit with what my artistic voice wanted and needed to look like, knowing that there are so many voices that need to be centered right now, particularly Indigenous and Black and people of color and people of different abilities and people who are most deeply impacted, LGBTQ+, 2S, you know, um, the voices of those who have been silenced and erased for far too long. So it took us a little bit to kind of sit with the reality that we are very privileged folks and what does our voice need to look like in support of all these other voices that we really need to be centering right now. 
that really comes through. And I, I want to encourage all our listeners to, to definitely check out this album. I'm curious about where the title comes from. Where, where does Edge Walker's Remedy come from? Because, you know, when I first picked up the album, I thought, oh, that's an interesting title. So tell us, tell us what the title means. <laughs> you bet. So we were list- we've been listening to a lot of podcasts when we've been touring these last few years. And one of the beautiful podcasts we came across was this podcast called Bespoken Bones. And Pavini Murray is the host. And we were listening to this episode with a guest named Colleen Cook, who's since passed. And the whole episode was on death and dying and this person's experience with that. And it was a very um, beautiful and magical episode Mm -hmm. where there was a number of times Colleen mentioned she might die in eight days. And in fact, she did. And... At one point in the episode, I love the way Pavini um, hosts because they will always give the guest an opportunity to share whatever needs to come up. And they set a prayer and an intention for that to come through. And Colleen brought up this, um, that she felt that she was an edge walker. And that word really struck me. And it stuck with us. And we started noticing, you know, when we talk about these voices that need to be centered, we feel in many ways that these people are perhaps edge walkers, you know, of this colonial structure, you know, this, this colonial structure that has been walking a line. And I think there's a a history of the word having a magical essence of being in between, in between worlds Mm -hmm. and being, you know, like Piper was saying, these, you know, this oppressive colonial structure that we're all kind of coming to grips with and looking inwards and we had originally kind of our working title for our the upcoming project was going to be Rem. We had thought it would be Remedy, because we wanted to write songs and present something that perhaps provided an idea of a remedy, not only for ourselves and because healing the music we make heals us, but also hopefully that could help other people do some healing. The funny thing was back in we were staying with some friends this past year in the winter, yeah, in the winter, and they had recently on New Year's Eve. They taught us how to play Magic the Gathering, the card game. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's been around for a while. It's an old <laughs> card game, and it's it's like based. Uh, there's a bunch of other games based on it. So basically, what we're saying is we're nerds in many respects. <laughs> and when I went to look up, we wanted to make sure we weren't, you know, appropriating the word or taking it out of a, a, a traditional use of some kind. And I went on Google, which you know isn't always the best thing, but I I did a few Google searches to see if um, what came up. When, when I typed in the word Edgewalker, the first thing that came up was this magic card, this, this card game, the, the Edgewalker card. It's, it's, I can't remember the card's abilities or anything like that. But kind that of kind of made it, yeah, we laughed yeah. and we thought that was another sort of serendipitous connection for us. And it was Carson that had the idea. Put the two together yeah. and have Edgewalker's remedy. And it just kind of elaborated using, you know, both of the terms and really kind of painted a more in-depth picture of what I think I think the album represents. I think it's a, you know, we, we were happy with the title. <laughs> we're glad to have, it was nice to have your response and uh, <laughs> seeing it. Ooh. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm going to mention the little book that you sent me as well, which I imagine that when people come to shows, when life opens up again and you're able to get out on the road, they'll be able to pick up the book. It's beautifully illustrated by Riley B. Yeah. It has yeah. all of the lyrics for the songs. It has some information from both of you about different aspects of your lives, you know, mm-hmm. family members, some of the things you believe in. And I think it really sets 
the scene. And I think that's really important because, as you say, what you're trying to do here is you're trying to push a conversation forward that we're not having because yeah. we have been, we're all part of this structure that, you know, kind of has, we don't realize how our lives are controlled. And it's Definitely. not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's kind of like there's good control, bad control here. Uh, yep. What we're we're trying to do is to try and people to get people to think about, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing it, which is a, a nice lead into talking about that first song, because, you know, it's got a lovely jaunty feel to it. The next best thing. And you could just listen to that and think, oh, yeah, you know, what what is the the next best thing for me? You know, the interesting thing is when you actually listen to the song, you realize it's actually not about finding the next best thing. It's about actually committing to not searching for it, because what we need to be doing is actually focusing on where we're at now. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. That's really where you're going with that song, aren't you? Absolutely. We were staying in Toronto. We spent, we had a year where we didn't really have our own home. We were, we were on the road and we were living with friends. And, and when we were living with some friends in Toronto, I have many, you know, mixed emotions around Toronto. I grew up there and I've had quite a disillusionment in my later life with just seeing how the city's gone, despite there being beautiful people there and, and beautiful communities. And I just, I, I noticed sort of the greater sort of commodification of that city throughout my lifetime. And when I was a kid and I used to go to New York City and I used to have this overwhelming feeling that I just wanted to buy things when I was there. And so that's, that's what I started to feel about Toronto is it there's, you know, sort of this bottlenecking of the culture into consumption, which is happening everywhere. It's not unique to Toronto. Buying happiness sort of in a disconnected way yeah and and i mean you could think about you know a lot of us buy the new phone buy the new computer you know if our if our dishwasher breaks we buy a new one and we are very much a part and often complicit in this cycling this wasteful culture not only with material goods but with relationships with ourselves with the land with each other as opposed to I know in my life I felt such deep healing and I felt more alive when I am able to kind of sit with how much abundance I have and to recognize, holy smokes, everything I need is actually right here and already in my life. And when I operate from that place, I find gratitude comes very naturally. It's not something I need to put on as much. And it, and it allows me to feel alive. And I think a lot of my life, I really struggled up until a lot, you know, recently with with feeling disconnected from life itself and that that spark that that is life. And for me, I, I identified. I think that that has to do with being told this lie that you know it's that cliche of like life is is the journey, not the destination. And I think colonialism very much conditions us to believe that is it is the destination or this next best thing that will satisfy us and it's i think it's a a, a fallacy that that's that's easy you want to believe it cuz you kind of so messed up right we're now we're deprived wow. we're deprived of the real thing in a lot of ways which leads us to want to go searching for this best you know yeah. next yeah the next best thing that that's a great way of putting it I want to head back into the album, play another track. We're going to play one of the most powerful songs on the album, and that's Mother's Prayer. And is this a song that, that you started off with, Carson? Yeah, so this one was really interesting, and, um, and it was really kind of part of my um, growth as a, as a writing, as being able to write my, you know, some of my own tunes. 
but we definitely wrote it together, which is also an amazing part of it. I wrote the song up at uh, my family cottage um, on Lake Nipissing and uh, in the traditional territory of the Nipissing people. It was just something that kind of came out, you know, on a amazing afternoon overlooking the lake and and it was just an intention for wanting to go back to a, a respectful place with nature and in, in general I know there are a lot of people that are living more like this and then uh, yeah I just kind of held on to it for a while and it was it was pretty special so I didn't I didn't really know how quite to finish it I didn't want to rush into finishing it so then come around I guess this would have been last summer so we held on to it for for a year or so, and then with the, when the pandemic hit, and we you know decided to do this project, I just sat down with Piper, and she kind of helped me get it to the next section, and then we co-wrote sort of the the chorus, and then some of the subsequent verses. So it started before you know last summer, and then and then it's post the whole George Floyd era explosion of of, um, of, of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so then it just kind of became infused with with what was going on in the moment because they are the same thing and they represent the same sort of disconnect and and movement away from where we need to go and sort of remember our way back to. It's certainly a very powerful song. Actually, I think it's probably the most powerful song on the album. Although, let's be honest, it's an album with lots of powerful songs. <laughs> Well, Piper has actually, and she said this, she kind of referred to it as the heart of the album. And obviously, I didn't even think of this until now, but with our amazing friend, uh, Ashin, who um, mm -hmm. added uh, Bo The heartbeat. Yeah, he added the heartbeat to the, Before yeah, he just, he added these amazing percussive wave elements and, um, and then, yeah, the heartbeat of the album. So, yeah, it's really nice to hear that reflection from mm -hmm. you. I can't breathe 
Hi there, this is Moonfruits. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Piper and Carson with Mother's Prayer from their wonderful new album, Edgewalker's Remedy. Piper Hayes and Carson Rizzi Thorpe are our special guests on Folk Roots Radio today, chatting about the album. i got to say, these are actually two of my favorite people. We've uh, had interviews a couple of times, <laughs> and I've had a chance to see a little bit of this album coming together. But one of the things I love is the fact that Piper and Carson walk the talk. I mean, they really want to try and make a difference in the world. They believe that's an important part of their lives as musicians. I'm going to talk a little bit later in the interview about how that will translate into a a live performance situation. Obviously, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. But before we get there, let's talk about 
the people that played on it because you mm-hmm. were starting to to talk about how things have come together writing the songs and writing quite quickly but then pulling together some players to try and bring this vision that you've developed to life so let's talk about that you know collaboration is such an amazing thing and over the last few years we've developed this community of artists and friends and family really that we realized could be part of this and and we were never in the same room as all of these people (laughs) none of this was ever rehearsed (laughs) and that posed its own challenges you know it was all done digitally and we had the task also to learn to do recording. We had never recorded ourselves mm-hmm. before. And so the first person I think that we brought in, in terms of art, was Riley B. with yeah. the illustrations. And, and their work hugely influenced um, yeah. both, I think, the music we would send them and, and the, the artwork that would come back to us. There was this magical, serendipitous web of connection yes. that happened. They had expressed to us that, you know... They were, you know, just not concerned, but like hoping that everything would be coherent and it would match with sort of the project. And it just, it honestly couldn't have been more perfect mm-hmm. with what they created for us. And and in musically, we knew we needed someone with a lot more experience than ourselves in terms of mixing and recording. And the first person that's helped us and guide to shape the project was I had a, a wonderful chat with Grace and Grit, and they helped me figure out what kind of equipment we were going to need. And I feel so grateful for that because their expertise and their way of sharing knowledge was just so beautiful and helpful. And then we knew we needed to hire, you know, someone that was going to mix it and produce it. And so we decided to go back to Chris Bartosz, who produced our last album, and and he co-produced this with us and was a huge part. I mean, he's this multi-instrumentalist wizard, really. He workshopped us and essentially all the the recording process and... You know, we shot tracks back and forth to fine-tune the <laughs> placement of the mics and all the details of, of recording. And the deadening of the room. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. We borrowed, yeah, we borrowed his curtains to deaden the, the corner of the room to make uh-huh. a little makeshift studio. And then I had it. It come. It came into my mind. You know, we love, and I know your friends as well with the rough and tumble. Mallory Graham and, and Scott Tyler. They're like our sole couple friends. We just had a tour with them in the Southwest back before the pandemic hit. Mm. We just really get each other. And and I, I had this sort of bubble into my head of like, oh, maybe we could hire them to like be our little band, like part of the band and they can do what they do best, <laughs> create soundscapes. And so I just texted Mal one day and I just said, you know, hey, would 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 hiring you two to to be like a band on our album be a thing? And and she was like, yes. And we had a conversation and basically let us know that when she told Scott, he stood up and said, oh, my dreams have come true or something <laughs> to that effect. So we, I mean, we just really like, we had sort of a rough brainstorming session of what, we had some ideas of what we wanted for the songs, but largely with all our collaborators and the Rough and Tumble specifically too, because we kind of got their stuff first. We just sent it to them and and they were just like, they just knew exactly what needed to happen. Yes. And just created these perfect pieces that we were like, oh, amazing. And that's, and it kind of, it developed that way. It was like, we had a couple ideas just for, you know, some prompts for people. So it wasn't totally like, here, like you figure it out. And they knew there was a little bit of a map, but largely it was kind of about 
having it be their expressions. Mm -hmm. And I just, because we know all these people so well, we just kind of knew that this would be the best, most authentic way that would lend to it. Yeah. And then the next build was bringing Ashin Hannigan on. And he just added these gorgeous heartbeats and natural Mm -hmm. sounds and flutes. And on the unknown, he brought in, you know, that very sort of, the song was inspired by mushrooms, and so he brought in that earth kind of energy, and and he was just wonderful to work with. He did so much work for us. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of bouncing and back and forth, and it was a, the, our first time also recording to a click track and really trying to stick on that because we were doing everything digitally. Yeah, we're used to doing things pretty live from the floor, so mm-hmm. stripping everything down to the instruments was an interesting thing, and, so and some of his instrumentation, too, like the boron and, and those elements, they're... There's a lot to deal with when bringing it into a space that mm-hmm. we haven't even been in the same room. So it was amazing. He helped ground us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had Annie Sumi and Travis Knapp, our other two good, good family friends. Yeah, so the Rough and Tumble were recording in, in Southern California when they recorded. Ashim was in Montreal. Annie and Travis were in upstate, upstate New York. New York yeah. And they just, they are just such. I barely have words to describe yeah. their um, their beinghood and their presence in our lives. They just added things that. Well, what you say? Well, something. they they sent <laughs> they sent us back the yeah. ideal perfect backup vocals, essentially for multiple tracks. Everything. Um, yeah, for like the unknown, they did it's an amazing job. We had sent them a note of like, do like whisper voices, like ghost voices, <laughs> like phantom voices and they just added essentially exactly that (laughs) and it was amazing so everything they did and travis's banjo really lifted a couple of the songs oh yeah um and yeah uh fork on the road and um next Next best Best. thing and yet just really added such a beautiful element and it was just it's so it felt so amazing to have to be honored with their voices on Mm -hmm. on 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 the tunes and on the whole thing and then Lacey Hill Finally. was Lacey the Hill. last collaborator that we brought in to record some backup vocals. And Lacey Hill is a dear, dear friend of ours who we've gotten to know over these last few years. And she is such a powerhouse vocalist. Mm. She is such a profound songwriter and storyteller. And just all around beautiful human being who gives so much to audience to her friends to her family and it was a huge 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 honor to have her come and lay some vocals she really brought fire to life so that was a song that I wrote a few years ago actually when we thought about putting it on the album I, I thought you know I think Carson needs to sing this song and lead this song and then we we you know Lacey has this gorgeous soulful aspect to her voice that is so unique, you know, like, I don't know anyone else. She doesn't sound like anyone. She sounds like Lacey Hill, you know? <laughs> and so when she added those those backup vocals for that song, it just became this beautiful, you know, my voice is in there, but I felt like it almost became this beautiful intertwining of Carson and Lacey's mm-hmm. voice that really added this lift. Yeah. And I mean, the thing about the collaborators on this project, um, Fedge was... Uh, the person who mastered the album and we love his work we've worked with him a number of times and we just we really have deep relationships with everybody that was involved and not only that but 
these people are incredible powerhouse musicians in their own right. And we encourage everybody listening and, and checking out the album to, if you don't know some of these people, go on some deep dives because <laughs> they're, they are, they are musicians who inspire us mm -hmm. to, to do what we do. And, and I think if anything, we've learned from the past few years of being in community with these people and in relationship is that this is, this is where we want to live in these kinds of collaborative efforts. And to me, making this album was almost this microcosm of how we want to live in this world together mm -hmm. and how we can support each other through systems of, of sharing resources and sharing joy and celebration and pain and, and the whole, the whole spectrum. And, and this, this really was of that, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the, the word that comes to mind, which is, is interesting, bearing in mind Carson's background is organic because this album really feels <laughs> very organic. And, and Carson's family owns an organic farm, I think, not far from where you live now, right? Because I think you're yeah, based in yeah, Hamilton. So, but th this is really organic. I, I want to steer the conversation back into the album because I want to play one of the other powerful songs. And this is a song that... I think really benefits from the fact that you can have the lyrics and, you know, look at this wonderful book. That song is Don't Know Where We're Going. Tell us a little bit about it. I had initially kind of had just a line, just the Don't Know Where We're Going chorus line. And then Piper just sort of used that to create the song. Well, it came to me in sitting down with this and figuring out what story wanted to come through was I've been having a lot of, you know, since the lockdown or since the pandemic, you know, drastically changed a larger portion of the lives on earth. Although I think people's lives have been drastically changed for a number of years now with colonialism and climate change. A lot of our lives move more digital and more into this 2D world that is not quite as real as the multidimensional world we actually physically live in. And I was noticing these conversations happening where I think particularly white people having a really hard time acknowledging their complicity and their their role in these systems of harm, these systems of racism, and in my own undoing of, or my own understanding of deconstructing my privilege and decolonizing and unsettling, you know, the brainwashing of colonialism, I realize that I have to admit that I am racist before I can do the work of anti-racism. To say that I am racist doesn't mean I'm a bad person necessarily. It means I'm conditioned by this system that is inherently racist, which is what systemic racism is. And that's one example of many ways we've been conditioned to perpetuate harm. And so I sat down and I thought, you know, what if we could embody this? What if Carson could sing and sort of embody this person who is, is wanting to change, wanting to understand, but has been so disconnected from their body, from the relationship with the land, from healing, from, you know, and also been abused by this system. The reality is, is colonialism leaves nobody unscathed. And it only perpetuates because off of the labor of people, off of bodies. And because, yeah, and so... I thought, hmm, how can we maybe represent this person who's kind of right on that precipice where they have an opportunity, they recognize that maybe they need to change, but they don't really know how. And 
what would the tools be that they would need to kind of make some of those changes? Because at the end of the day, I think we have to heal. We have to face the trauma. We have to, you know, unpack our pain so that we don't keep perpetuating it. And so that started to emerge. And and then my voice started to sort of emerge as this idea of perhaps being the earth, reconnecting, you know, this, this, idea of an, maybe an older white man with reconnecting with the voice of the earth and, and the relationship that's possible with the earth and our own bodies. And it kind of turned into a piece of music theater, really. And this dialogue of reconnecting. Which I think is sort of one of the main album themes, for sure. And then also this idea that we don't have to know where we're going, but we have to go somewhere. And I think... What's happened, one of the very things that colonialism has been so successful at is conditioning us to be disconnected from our imaginations and to be disconnected from the possibility of anything else existing. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure you've heard this too, Jan, where people will say, well, well, um, there's no other way. Or what, what would you suggest we do? And it's like, well, it's, it's not really about that. It's that this isn't working. And it never really has been, except for the few billionaires that that are benefiting from the hoarding extractive resource industry. And so let's try anything. Let's, you know, I think particularly right now in this pandemic and with COVID, but we need to get comfortable with the unknown and death, really, and grieving and the cycle of life so we can implement something better. Something that remembers maybe how we used to be connected and, and centering, again, indigenous voices and voices of people who have been most impacted by colonialism. And moving forward, every time I look around at cities, I imagine gardens everywhere. I imagine streets being closed, cyclists and walkers. And I imagine, you know, one of the things we did this summer was we grew food and we just shared it with as many people as possible getting back to this idea of redistributing resources and and getting away from this idea of scarcity and fear. And so that's in kind of a big nutshell <laughs> what's happening in this song. Do you hear the sound each raindrop makes As it reaches out and touches ground I haven't listened to the rain I haven't listened to the birds I haven't listened to the trees, the water or myself I feel uncomfortable and small Like I don't matter much at all Spent my life snuffing it out Oh my child, take your hand Place it on your beating heart That's where we will start Close your eyes and go inside Calm the whispers of your mind Open wider than you ever have before We don't know where 
haven't been there yet If we all go together Raising our voices If we look inside each other Promise never to forget We'll drop this forced pretense Embrace our differences Say something Your silence is not good enough We all regret not speaking now Before it's too late Say something Your silence is not good enough We all regret not speaking up Now's the time don't know where we're going And we haven't been there yet The curiosity lead the way And sharing be our safety net As we go, we go, we're singing A celebration song Our power is inside of us We all want to belong Silence is not good enough We all regret not speaking up But now's the time Say something Your silence is not good enough We all regret not speaking up And now's the time sound each raindrop makes as it reaches out and touches ground oh do 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 we only got one shake just one day for all we know. Hi there, this is Piper Hayes. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Piper and Carson with Don't Know Where We're Going from their wonderful new album. It's entitled Edgewalker's Remedy. Piper Hayes and Carson Ritzy Thorpe are our special guests on Folk Roots Radio today, chatting about the album, but I think also chatting about the big picture that maybe we need to uh, really spend some time thinking about where we're at in the world. And as we've been talking about in this interview already, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Hopefully, it will be over in the not-too-distant future. But, you know, we have have an opportunity now, because things have slowed down, to actually consider our interaction with the world and some of the other issues that we need to deal with. Now, obviously, Piper and Carson, uh, you haven't had a chance to to really play too many shows, I would imagine, during this period of lockdown. I'm curious as to how you see the presentation of this project when you're actually able to get out and share it with live audiences. Because, you know, I sense that because it is very much a concept album, there is an opportunity to make your live performance a little more than just here is our new album and, you know, let's run through the songs. You know, in light of what we were just talking about, we are also reimagining what our work and artistic life can be. It's become very apparent to me that commodifying 
the art that I create makes me ill. And so I'm trying to imagine other ways that we could be supported by community. I've had sort of thoughts around farmers creating CSA boxes, community-supported agriculture boxes, and, and sort of having memberships. And, and I know that's already happening a little bit with Patreon and, and so on and so forth, but I think there are ways that we can start valuing artists better. I think the system and the industry, like many, was already very broken. There's a reason that when the pandemic hit, the whole thing shut down and everybody's now out of work for an indefinite amount of time. We did some online, some, you know, some online concerts and we were participated in some of some online streaming and it, there's a definitely a place for it. It's not something that we love and it's really hard for us. With, takes a lot sort of, of energy. With the, <laughs> without having a physical audience there, it just, it's a real disconnect that's sort of hard to, it's hard to muster the energy to to really perform in the way we want to and connect with people. And we've been kind of just trying to bring, brainstorm ideas of how to bring, you know, music to local communities. And we've sort of been thinking about even just offering sort of drop-in music sessions, not necessarily financially related, just go, you know, visit. Putting some. it out there. Who needs some music and, and showing up in different parts of the city for for people that have either requested or somebody, you know, a friend of a friend who said, you know, my my aunt is alone. And when when the pandemic started, my first, the first thing I really went through was I really had no desire to perform. And I'd never had that in my life. And it was a little scary at first because I thought perhaps I was changing or losing a part of myself and I didn't recognize myself anymore. And what Carson asked me was, well, why, why did you ever perform? Well, what, what did it bring you? And, and what I came to was connection and healing. And those are, those are the two things that are still very true. And so if the work that we were doing, and this isn't to say that, you know, we played many beautiful shows. We were so grateful for the time that we had on the road and traveling all over. But if, if, if we weren't being rejuvenated by that process, then how could we continue connecting and healing? And so now we're thinking, okay, how do we put those two elements at the forefront? How do we make sure that everything we do, the number one goal is to heal and connect? So yeah, Carson had this idea that maybe we can ask people who need music and show up in a few places. The other idea is porch concerts. Forest concerts. Our, yeah, forest concerts, porch concerts, and playing for the trees, you know, there is much a valuable mm -hmm. part of our community that need I think I think as much as we need the connection with them, that reminder, you know, the rocks. We live in an area where there's beautiful escarpment and waterfall. How can we incorporate land connection, human connection, animal connection with the music we do to give back? I think it feels very imperative right now that we give and give and give and give. This is not a time, as Isaac Murdoch says, to, to hold on to things. It's a time to give. And I think that's such an important part of how we will move forward and how we will heal. When we recognize that we are in a position to give, and then we, are eight, and then we do that giving, life rejuvenates itself. And I always find, and this is something my mom taught me from a young age, it always comes back. And it might not come back in the way that you think it's going to come back. 
But energy moves. And when you put energy out, it finds a way to come back if it's being put out in a good way and with a good mind, essentially. Something else that we've been sort of um, wanting to keep in the in the future dreaming process, which I think um, might be something that you, you know, I feel like you were hinting at it, Jan. Mm. When our friend Lacey Hill came over and, and we delayed those back um, backup vocals, mm. and she'd actually heard the songs when they were all just iPhone demos a couple of weeks before. <laughs> and, and her reaction was really, it just sort of made the whole project for us because she listened to them and she really loved them and appreciated it. And after we got her the final final product she's kind of came to us and she was like this is a show and when we were doing it too there were times when we were like this you know it's like Did don't we, know where we're going for for an instance you know we were like is this did we like, just write a musical is this a musical <laughs> and i it's something that piper is actually being trained in and also have expressed for a long time the desire to mm-hmm. to write a musical so sort of spurred by Lacey's enthusiasm mm-hmm. the the concept of um of a, of a show and a real, you know, cause I think that would really embody exactly what Edgewalker's Remedy is mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and what the book helps to convey. So this, and co- combining all the elements and these visual elements. And so that's definitely something that we're, I think, uh, yeah. keeping brewing and, yeah. you know, there's nothing, no uh, direct plans or we're not trying to put anything into order right now but it's a night something that we I well think and it's are, always been a dream of mine to put a theater piece together my background is in theater that's what I studied particularly music theater and I was always slightly disappointed at least with the program that I was in with just how commercial music theater was I mean much like the music industry of course there are people making brilliant shows um, that get less seen by a bigger population but I was always very desiring a musical that had the rawness that life does and had the authenticity that the relationships of life has. And I just felt like so much that gets produced today is very disnified and commodified. And so, yeah, I think definitely it's something we're going to be exploring. And then I've also been getting back into dance and movement. And so exploring physical movement with these songs is another perhaps piece of that show and or music videos. You know, you use the word organic, Jan, and I think that's how we're operating these days. It doesn't make sense necessarily for us to plan in the ways that we used to. It makes sense to to really invest in life and see, I think, when we've done that, like, you know, just a magic comes and the answers come through and and what we need becomes apparent more easily than if we're really trying to do something that doesn't fit. You know, it sounds very exciting to me and I think you're approaching this exactly the right way because this project to me can go in a whole bunch of different directions and it probably should go in all of them. There will be days when... (laughs) There will be days when you say, oh, we should really go on tour and hey, our friends Rough and Tumble are heading out so-and-so. Let's go and join them. And that's oh, one thing. Like, yeah, But a, the, a the concept of the interactive show, the musical, these are all great things. And I think, I think you are onto something with the fact that you are trying to, to let the music speak through you and use mm-hmm. that music as a tool to educate, to provoke, to encourage people to, to reflect on 
you know, where we are in the world and, and why are we behaving the way we are. So I really wanted to thank you for joining us today and spending time with us. If you want to learn more about the music of Piper and Carson, go to piperandcarson.com. Sign up for their newsletter because I know there'll be lots of interesting things coming up down the road. And who knows, maybe you'll find your way to get involved with whatever they're doing. Because I think this is keep it organic, let it grow, and then see where it takes you. And as you mentioned before, I think, you know, it, it keeps you in a better space. You know, I think a lot of the challenge we have is how disconnected we've become from the, the, the wider world and, and the earth generally. And I think, you know, with this pandemic and everything else that's going on at the same time uh, at this moment, I think it's become really obvious that we need to reset. So I wanted to thank you again for spending the time to talk to us. We've got time for one more song. And we're going to play Fire, which I think that is the song that Carson takes a lead on. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell yeah. us a little bit more about this one, Carson. It's a really interesting song. <laughs> we're, we're really happy with it. And it's, um, so it's Piper, like she, Piper had mentioned that she wrote it. And she had written it a while ago. And I remember in a couple of years or a year ago or whatever, she had mentioned that this might be a good one for me to sing. In my earlier years of music, I played like a, a little bit more in like sort of a cover band and, you know, did did a lot of the old Steppenwolf covers and whatnot. And so it was a kind of an opportunity to just kind of sing, sing um, in a little bit of a different, you know, out in a little bit different of a way. And it was really fun. And uh, she actually coached me quite well on, <laughs> on uh, gave me some good vocal tips on the, on the, on the thing and which resulted in us getting that, the good take that we ended up using and Chris really had his way oh, yeah. with this song because so what we had presented at first and fire was one that was really difficult for us. The guitar part that Piper plays, I, I can't actually do it. It's really rhythmically sort of a difficult guitar part to nail it's a down. Very complex drumming pattern that I didn't really know was as complex as it was and until I tried to record to a click track. So we were just struggling and struggling to record it to a click track. And so Chris said, Okay, hold on, let's let's think about this differently. And like, let's, I think we, I think we ended up building it from um, a drum loop up. That Ashin made. So Ashin made us a drum loop and Chris edited that, looped it. And then that gave us something to go with. And then I think he, he came back to us again and he was like, okay guys, I've got, there's something here and he's got an idea and he's like, I'm, we're going to take out Piper's guitar and, and it's going to be a funk. It's going to be a full funk song. And seventies uh, funk, <laughs> and we were like, "Oh yeah, like that sounds that sounds awesome." So I think he came back. Um, he laid the bass and uh, and uh, an electric guitar track. Then I laid an um, electric guitar track over that, just sort of added some extra electric um, features in there. Then it became a funk song. Yeah, and uh, we were just really it was really fun, and we really had a good time with that one. It allowed us to have that departure, kind of, that we were really desiring for this album from, you know, kind of more straight up folk and country to a little bit more breadth than that. And and it just, it became really fun. And then adding Lacey's vocals mm -hmm. in there just made it incredible. And then Annie and Travis did these backup vocals that just, you know, gave it this multidimensionality. And then the best, the really fun part, the song starts off, with a match light and we used we have um an aston spirit mic 
And when I recorded that, oh boy, we almost like blew our eardrums out. It recorded so loud, this, this match strike. It sounded like a crackling fire. Like it even, like I couldn't, we couldn't believe <laughs> how detailed that sound was. And it also kind of sounded like a record, like the scratch and that, that sound of a record. So there was just, it was a beautiful song to, to build because mm-hmm. it came just, you know, like growing a plant. You're not sure what's going to come, but then all of a sudden there's this amazing bloom. It's a very organic album. I just want to read one verse because I love this verse. Don't look at the news anymore. I decide what comes through my door. We can't ignore. We must explore the fire in me. And I just love that because I think it really brings us back to how we started this conversation. Yes. We need to, to all take the time, especially this is the perfect opportunity. Take the time, you know, uh, spend some time in uh, reflecting on our lives. And I, I wanted to thank you for spending time with us today. And I wish you all the best with this album. I certainly look forward to coming to one of those shows, whichever type Aww. of show it is in the coming months. Piper Thank Hayes. Thank you so much, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Ca- you. Carson Ritzy Thorpe, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you join us today. This is Piper and Carson with Fire from Edgewalker's Remedy. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Thanks again. In these heavy times, it's not enough. To sit around and watch things get rough Time to make a choice and take a stand Before it's too late The fire is in you
And that's it. That's all we can squeeze into this hour of Folk Roots Radio. You can visit our website at folkrootsradio.com to check out our extensive archive of interviews and radio episodes. And thanks again to all of our radio partners who help us bring Folk Roots Radio to you each week. We'll leave you with one final track from Piper and Carson. From Edgewalker's Remedy, this is Fork in the Road. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. We'll see you next time. Many roads you can travel I must admit that I don't know Which road is the one that I should take Which road will lead to our dreams Or do they all lead to the same place All this for is breaking me Every day